CCS Insight podcast. We're delighted to be joined by the IBM Cloud Platform team for the next two episodes. In this episode, we are focusing on Java's future in the cloud. My name is Bola Rotebi, and I am the Chief of Enterprise Research here at CCS Insight. I'm joined by IBM's Ian Robinson, a distinguished engineer and CTO, IBM Application Platform, and Clive Howard, the CTO at humanitarian fintech, Herwuzi. Clive is also an associate analyst at CTS Insight. Welcome to you both. Hi, Bola. Hi, Bola, and thanks for having us. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, since the mid-1990s, Java has grown into one of the most popular programming languages in the world and a stalwart technology for enterprise development and operational runtime systems. But despite Java's footprint in the market, it's not always seen as the go-to technology when we think of cloud-based functions and operations. This is counter to some bold claims of Java being instrumentally important to the success of the internet, which begs the question of why Java isn't the most talked about technology for the cloud. Ian, you have more than 25 years of experience working in distributed enterprise computing across product development, open standards, and open source. You are basically responsible for technical strategy of IBM application platform technologies, including WebSphere, Liberty, and Java. So I'd like to ask you the following question. How crucial was Java to the internet and what's its role in the cloud? The internet is the success that we know today, largely because of the influence Java had on it uh, right at the beginning, back in the 90s. Uh, businesses had uh, saw the potential of the internet. There was, uh, and still remains, huge amounts of data locked up in back-end data centers. Uh, and the internet was uh, a potential for that data uh, to be used in completely new forms of internet-based transactions. The problems that businesses had back in the 90s was how could they use the internet to actually unlock that data? The back-end systems wouldn't have scaled if the only way uh, that clients were able to get to it uh, was using the, the kind of CGI-based browser uh, and web server-based uh, technologies uh, that were common and popular in the 90s. Java, though, unlocked that data by providing a whole new middle-tier system and a much, much cheaper way to bring that data uh, from the back-end data systems much closer to the internet uh, and to allow those new forms of business transactions uh, to occur. So, you know, we're, we're all used to using our smartphones to interact with the internet today, but would there even have been the motivation to invest in technologies like that if we hadn't had the motivation of the internet as a way to do transactions in the first place? In my opinion, that was all unlocked by middle tier systems built on Java. That's well. That's a really good point, actually. In terms of you know, it it, it talks a lot of things to you know. So sort of some people sort of saying, "Oh, well, Java is fundamental." It yeah, it, it was it created the internet, which in fact it it didn't um, so much as create the internet, but as actually as you. You rightly point out, um, 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 Ian, how important it was to kind of like providing that middleware layer. Clive, I'm going to come to you because you're a practitioner. You see a lot of these things. You write a lot of um, applications targeting the internet, and you've come. Uh, you've got you know sort of twenty odd years of experience. I mean, what do you think in terms of you know Java's role being instrumented in the um, in the internet? What, what's what's your experience of this? I mean, I think it definitely 
played an important part in the in the in the evolution of the the internet for the reasons that that, that Ian has outlined. I, I don't think it was necessarily alone uh i think there were there were others and there were other technologies and you know the the early days of the internet you know at least as we know it today so you know late 90s early part of of this century there was an enormous amount of of technology and technology change that was that was quite quite incredible at the time and and you know i think a lot of things that perhaps even have gone now played an important role but i think what's important in that statement is that java has not gone you know java was not one of those things that came you know helped the internet internet to to become what it is and then kind of disappeared in favor of something else instead you know java has has not only persisted but has thrived and you know most enterprises now have considerable java capabilities and i think it's for that reason those those capabilities that they have created that they have uh, invested heavily in the skills the experience the code bases that that means java will definitely have a role in the cloud going forward it just practically i think isn't possible for that not to be the case um, you can't just sort of take a large part of your software development team and say, well, you've either got to learn another language or you're not going anywhere near the cloud. I don't think that's a that's realistic. And and you're also going to have a lot of you know workloads that have been on premise moving into the cloud. Um, those many of those are going to be Java um, and and so on. So I think it's definitely going to have have a future in the cloud. And I think you know that's that's recognised if you look at for example you know AWS. You know many AWS services. The first or at least one of the first languages that is usually supported in those services is Java. Um, and and so I think you know even for them they they recognise the the importance of the language and the value that it it brings to bear uh, even in a in a cloud first world. Mm. That's I mean it, it's, oh, sorry Ian please go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say that the cloud in many respects is both I think an opportunity and a challenge for Java. It's obviously being very successful in the cloud already. I mean, there, there are supposedly 38 billion active Java virtual machines running in the cloud today. So, I mean, it, it's already having a massive impact. As Clive says, there are, there are millions of Java applications that haven't even made it to the cloud yet. And some of those will be reborn on the cloud. Some of those will evolve into something else. But the Java ecosystem is so huge um, that that you know, Java, all the cloud vendors want to attract Java application workloads to their clouds, but at the same time, the cloud is an environment which I think challenges Java. The fact that you know, Java Java was originally conceived to write once and run anywhere, and that remains true today, uh, and that's true on the cloud as well, but. Whereas in the past, write once, run anywhere really meant run on a variety of different hardware architectures. Running anywhere, including on the cloud, has different sets of challenges. So, for example, when you're running in constrained virtual machines that cost quite a lot of money to run, does the startup time of a Java virtual machine actually cause an economic problem for running a technology on Java if the workload that you're trying to run in the cloud needs to scale up from zero to one very, very quickly? So there are, you know, there, there are some genuine challenges that that Java has on the cloud. But on the other hand, it's a great opportunity to innovate and overcome those problems. And we're seeing an awful lot of that going on at the moment. 
That is, that's very true. And in fact, actually, one of the things that um, came to mind as you were speaking, Ian, is um, we did some work um, last, um, uh, well, actually, uh, this year, towards the, uh, this year, where we were looking at, you know, how, um, what, how Java has been involved, the technology has moved on. And incredibly, you know, you know, sort of um, work that IBM has been doing in this area, because, you know, when you look at the kind of the base, you know, sort of environment, it's moved, you know, it's much, it's now moved away from, you know, sort of, um, you know, into an open source community, the Eclipse community, those kind of things. So we've done, we've, we start to see a lot of it sort of um, transitioning to a much more kind of, you know, to take on and support cloud um, as a te- you know, as a platform, as a deployment platform, but also as a, you know, as a kind of like, um, development yeah sort of environment uh, which kind of brings us to the um you know the next level the next question which is what has IBM done to make java relevant for cloud operations because i mean i know you guys have done quite a lot as i said when we did this report and this study um this year and just even looking at you know um you know sort of some of the things you've done in terms of the standards as well around java ian yeah, I mean, Java. I mean, Java. To be clear, Java's been open source um, since before um, we open sourced the IBM JVM uh, at the Eclipse Foundation. Um, but that, I mean, that was that for us. That was a significant thing to do. We 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 have uh, at IBM. We have our entire Java stack in the open from the JVM right up through our Java. EE application API layers in in places like Liberty and, uh, and WebSphere as well, uh, but but in in terms of what what we've done that's un- what we've done uniquely, I would say for Java in the cloud is is to try to overcome some of those challenges I was talking about earlier on. So, for example, um, you take uh, a Java application uh, and put that in a container and start that container running in the cloud. One of the things I mentioned earlier on was you've got. Uh, a certain degree of time uh, that's required for the Java virtual machine itself to start up in that container. Is that okay in an environment where you want to run a cloud function workload, for example? So there are certain types of workload where up until quite recently, it's been a fair question to ask, is Java an appropriate technology to try to run that workload? One of the things we've done for Java in the cloud is to make it take advantage of the cloud. So we can, for example, um, optimize our Java execution by offloading all of the just-in-time compilation, the, the thing that actually uh, optimizes the execution of Java bytecodes you know, based on the, the, the hardware architecture that it's running on. And we can move that out of the application um, container itself into a separate cloud service. So that's, that's taking advantage of the cloud to optimize um, your Java workloads. One of the other things that we've done recently to eliminate or almost completely eliminate that startup time of the JVM in a cloud container is to introduce a new capability into our uh, into our Java runtime. It's, in fact, it's a combination of a, an optimization that's that, that's that's shared between our Java runtime itself and our Liberty runtime um, to move all of the startup time of the JVM and the application itself out of the container 
and into the build process so that when you build a Java application now to run it on a Liberty container, we take a checkpoint of the running JVM and the running application as part of the build process. And instead of all of the time that that takes to start up when you run the container happening when you fire the container up, uh, we just restore that container from a checkpoint that we took during the build process. We call that instant on. Um, and the, that that capability on its own makes Java now uh, a viable technology for cloud function style workloads uh, where we can give you know almost instantaneous uh, native-like startup times without any without sacrificing any of the capabilities that developers are familiar with um, in a standard JVM. Mm, that I mean, that kind of instant time uh, and that efficiency saving sounds just the kind of thing that a practitioner like yourself, Char, uh, Clive, would really welcome. What's What's your thoughts of hearing what Ian has said of you know what um, the, the his team has done to kind of improve um, Java in within the cloud? What What do you think of that? Absolutely, I think I think you know as 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 Ian mentioned, you know that the, the cloud brings with it, you know, slightly different. Um, you know, development paradigms to to what developers are perhaps you know typically used to um, uh, with, with on-premise deployments. I mean, containers being you know a, a particular area that has you know grown in popularity around cloud deployments. And so, I think you know it is important that languages and frameworks and you know anything that is sort of got a, got a history um, uh, needs to needs to address these these new new requirements, these new um, challenges that that the cloud does. Does throw up. We see it with containers. We see it, for example, in in the world of serverless. For example, you know, same same can be applied there with regards to startup times and and things needing to be be quicker. So I think it's you know it has to be commended that you know IBM are doing the work that they're doing to make sure that you know some of these things that might seem kind of you know, many people might not necessarily think about when they're a, when they're a Java developer, but but certainly is is going to be important as as more applications not just move into the cloud but become more kind of cloud native applications oh right that's i mean and that's i mean that's exactly really important um especially for not just for technical leads but also for the business which brings me to my final question ian um you've talked a lot about you know efficiency speed quickly starting up and clive has mentioned how how you know people will find this kind of level of productivity really important when they're thinking about you know yeah, one of the sort of value propositions of the cloud. So the last question is, what should business roles or leading technical roles, such as a, maybe a senior enterprise architect, yeah, why, why should they care about the changes that have been made, more specifically from a business perspective, you know, as they think about these, um, these opportunities they can get with the Java technology? Saving money. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a in, in a in a number of different um, dimensions, really. It, you know, if it, if a significant amount of a business's investment is the large number of Java applications it has, uh, the large number of Java skills its people have, um, and the, the the desire to apply those skills, move those applications, make them run in a strategic um, cloud-based environment, then if you could reuse all of that existing 
investment and make those workloads uh, and reuse that technology, make those workloads run really efficiently in the cloud, then everybody wins. So if, you know, if your Java workload can start faster, uh, can can use less um, compute resources on the cloud, then you're reusing existing uh, capabilities, uh, breathing new life into existing workloads and running it for less cost. Why wouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> Why wouldn't you indeed? Well, I think those are really, that's a really good positive um, ending, actually, because, you know, um, speaks very much to the kind of like the business value that many organizations will be looking for, and certainly what their kind of technical leads will be able to kind of direct and articulate an, a message to the business in terms of, you know, investing in these, you know, sort of um, extending an, an innovation um, experience investing in their um, use of their um, Java applications and getting more out of them. So I'd like to say thank you to Ian and Clive for what I think has been a really lovely conversation. Um, And I'd say to all our listeners, make sure to tune into our next podcast with the IBM Application Platform team when we'll discover whether portable containers are destroying standards. So until then, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks, Bola and Clive. Thanks. Goodbye.